Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. One of the reasons why I just felt like, hey, let's sit down and kind of talk through this. Turn over in your Bibles to John chapter 6, right? Because we're talking about worshiping the king, okay? And again, remembering what on earth, that's, that statement isn't a strange statement. But if we don't slow down and understand it, what does that mean? I think we end up just going through the motion spiritually. Okay, um, and so we spent last month really digging into this idea of worship, right? This idea of what does that really mean? Do you guys remember the words that we've been using to define? And, and again, it's not our definition, but this would be what the original hearers would hear. Do you remember what the words were? Yeah, to bow down. That was that's what it would mean. And so you can imagine if you were to sit down. And think of all the things that meant. What does that mean to bow down? Well, it has, it has practical application in our lives as in our relationships. Who do we bow down to? If we bow down to the king, it changes our relationships, right? If we bow down uh, just in our, in our job settings, in, with our money, with our dating relationships, with our marriages, and going, okay, when there's so much practical application of when, I bow, when I'm bowing down, it's more than just singing or praising God. But it actually has something to do. It's very close, if not absolutely the same thing as discipleship. Okay, and remember, all discipleship is is following Jesus. Okay, so it's this idea of can you can you kind of tear apart worship and following Jesus? It doesn't seem like it. Okay, it seems like when Jesus calls people to follow Him, He's saying you bow down. Okay, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Me. Okay. Here's a, here's a section. We're going to spend probably seven or eight weeks because we're looking at this idea of who is this king, right? I mean, that's what's really important. Okay, I get the bow down part, but if I'm going to really worship him, who is this guy, right? And what's really cool in the Gospel of John, there are seven times that Jesus says, this is who I am. And they seem pretty cryptic, all right? They seem pretty cryptic. And he actually uses the words, I am, and then he fills in the blank, okay? Let, let me give you, if you don't know this already, let me tell you a little secret about the word I am. Is there ever a time, can you think of an Old Testament time when the words I am were used? <laughs> God introduced himself. Moses said, yeah, Moses said, Who, what's your name? <laughs> right? And going, wow, that's the worst name. Don't name your child that, right? Like, I am. What is that, right? He's like, this is my name. I am, all right? And the meaning of that word, boy, I'll tell you what, man. You could do so much. I mean, this really is inspiring, just the name that God gave himself. Um, the essence of it means actually the uncreated. It's awesome. I, I am. Well, what do you mean? I mean, I am. I mean, I never was. You know, people go, well, who invented God? See, no, no, no. I am. 
Nobody did. He, he was the uncreated. And you just sit there going, holy moly. I mean, that is awesome. <laughs> you know? And so there's a, actually a very strategic reason that Jesus is using this word, I am. He's actually telling people, guys, I am. I am. This is who, this is, this is who I are. Okay. If I can just, you know, change the grammar a little bit, okay? But, but here's the thing is, is, is he's telling people, I'm God, which is so powerful here because we can read these, there's these seven I am statements, and we can read them and go, oh, he's saying I am, no, 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 to the original hearer. This meant so, this was, this was not just like, oh, that's really cool. That's like, that really kind of ticks me off that he's saying that that's who he is, and so... Here's the first one we're going to read in John chapter 6. Jesus, uh, you know, for setting up the story here, okay, uh, you have Jesus, and he just, remember, fed 5,000 people, right? Just, just fed them. Just was like, hey, I've got a couple loaves, I've got a couple fishes, here you go. That's pretty cool, okay? Well, you know, then the next day came, and Jesus wasn't there, all right? And the people were like, where'd this guy go? All right, let's go figure out where he is. And so they go looking for him. And we're going to start in verse 22, okay? Um, And so chapter 6, verse 22, The next day the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea knew there had been only one boat. They also knew that Jesus hadn't boarded the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone off alone. Some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they ate the bread and After the Lord gave thanks, and when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats, and they went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, well, Rabbi, when did you get here? And, oh, yeah, by the way, he walked across the sea, okay? That's one of those other things that's pretty neat. Uh, Jesus answered, I assure you, okay? Now, here's what I want us to do. Let's put ourselves in the place of these hearers, because this is what will matter, okay? He says, I assure you. You're looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Does that sound a little ungracious? <laughs> you know, they're like, hey, where are you? Well, how would you get here? What'd you He's like, no, no, no. See, I, you know, could you imagine, you know, somebody comes to church and you go, oh, no, I know why you're really here. <laughs> you're here because we have this really great communion bread. It's awesome. We have this, you go, really? He's like, no, you're here. Guys, you've been looking for me because I I did this thing with this bread and your bellies were full, okay? And he said, he says this, he says, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, okay? There's a couple of things as we read I'm going to call your attention to, and I want you to call your attention to the idea of eternal life. It's very important in this, okay? Okay. Uh, So he says, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set a seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. And Jesus replied, well, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. Okay, and so I'm going to highlight something else for you here as we read this. Um, This word right here has become something in our culture, the word believe. He's saying this is the work that you believe in the one. Okay, and now here's the thing is, remember what we want to do is we want to have ears to hear the same way the original hears. What would they have heard? Okay, and so they wouldn't have necessarily heard this idea of if you just believe in me, you know, what they're hearing is, 
um, trust. They're hearing allegiance. You know, those who have trust and allegiance. It's actually an active verb that he's telling them. So a lot of times what happens in our, in our Christian culture today, we see it almost like a passive, like, well, yeah, you know, you hear a sermon, you hear something, you believe in him, and you're saved, okay? And this is one of those things that Jesus is going to debunk that just a little bit, okay? Um, and so he said, this is the work of God that you believe or that you would have trust in the one who he has sent. What sign then you are, so then they ask him, what sign are you going to do so we may see and believe you? Okay, stop and think about that. Now, before we get too offended, like, golly, what's wrong with these guys, okay, is this section right here, really, the whole book, the whole Bible, uh, is purely Eastern, okay? (laughs) Understand what I say by this. There's Western culture and Eastern culture, okay? And this is what's really, really, really important is in an Eastern culture, this would be kind of like, well, what do you, there's like this back and forth kind of like, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to do this. You know, it's kind of not necessarily even a rude thing. It's just like we're going to have this back and forth here. And there's another part of it that's a little bit frustrating for us Americans, okay, is that we want Jesus to come out and go, let me tell you exactly the answers, okay? In the Eastern world, you all know what's really important is discovery. He's going, you're going to, I want you to discover this, okay? Because you know what's funny? When you discover something, you don't forget it right? When you discover something, like, oh man, it wasn't just somebody giving me an answer. I thought through this, whoa, the, the light bulb went off. That's what Jesus is trying to do here, okay? So, um, so he tells them, uh, what sign, they say, what sign are you going to do so we can believe you? Um, not that the bread and walking on water was enough. Uh, they asked, what are you going to perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I assure you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the real bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, sir, give us this bread always, okay? That sounds like the right response, right? Is I hear what you're saying now. Okay, I get you. Give me that bread always, okay? And so you don't have necessarily just this group of mean people here that are just arguing with Jesus. You have folks that are going, hold on a minute, what's all this about? And he's saying, no, I'm talking about bread that's not even material, right? It's from heaven, okay? He said, we want that. Okay, here comes Jesus right here, verse 35. I'm the bread of life. Okay. And for us, it's this. And? Okay, cool. Metaphor, right? That's that's awesome. Uh, No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. No one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Okay. So let's stop there for a second, all right? These are the expectations of a follower of Jesus. He's gone, man, when you come and eat of me, you don't hunger anymore. You don't thirst anymore. Do you think he means physically? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, we're probably going, really? Like, that would be a great miracle if somebody just you know, was baptized into Christ, became a disciple, and stopped eating and drinking for the rest of their lives. But we know that's not true, right? But he's saying this is there's, there's a fulfillment that we all look for, that the world screams out for, to be filled with, right? And, and we're all very familiar with that, right? What we fill our lives with, right? We want, we want prestige and fame. At least we want respect, if not fame, right? 
We, we'd like to have financial security. Everybody, you know, sometimes we forget because we think, no, I'm not asking for millions of dollars. I just want enough to make myself secure. Okay. Well, you don't know what? When we don't hunger and we don't thirst, we're satisfied with him. That right there is a very radical ideal that we can't just go past because here's the thing is he wants the world to see this in his followers. He, his, he wants the world to see a group of people that are going, I don't, in fact, I'm not hungry for sexuality. That doesn't mean that in a marriage relationship that you don't have a healthy life of sexuality, okay? But he's saying that no, and they don't, the Christians aren't looking to be satisfied with money, with titles, with things, material possessions, keeping up with people, okay? Is they're seeing that, and I want us to stop here just for a second and think about it is, is think of the people that we run into most often, would they describe us as that? You know, when the rest of the world is losing their mind, all right, what do they see in us? Okay, and we have a pretty charged environment we live in right now, right? We have a pretty charged environment, okay? Do they see, again, and we're going to get into this, but Jesus has a plan all along. He's like, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit that's going to empower you beyond belief, okay? But understand, we can't go past this here because he's saying, no, I am the bread of life. If I'm not the bread of life, then you won't be fulfilled. He's making a really major statement here, okay? So, you'll never thirst again. But as I told you, you've seen me, yet you don't believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I won't cast out, okay? That, isn't that comforting? Isn't that good to know is that Jesus isn't going to be going, Rich, I'm a little tired of you. <laughs> Okay, who's going to be the one we cast out today? Isn't that nice to know? Because listen, here's what we came to as we thought about worship is we're all a mess, right? Right? I mean, all of us, we have that in common. We may not have the same team in common. We may not have the same political side, you know, side of the road we're on. We may not have a whole lot of things we don't have. In co- but the one thing we have in common, we can all look. You can look to our right and your left and go, I'm a mess. And the person sitting to our right and left go, I know. <laughs> And it wouldn't be offensive. We would go, of course not, okay? But this is so comforting. It's like, hey, you've got to understand something. I'm, I, there's, there's something Jesus is trying to do is, is, is I'm trying to give you eternal life. Okay. So he goes on here. He goes, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. So that's awesome. He's like, listen, again, They're talking about kind of all of this stuff. And he's going, but I want you guys to pay attention to something here. What I really am coming down here for is on the last day, I get to be the one that gets gets everyone to heaven. I get all the people who are dead. I get to be the one that gets to do that. That's why I'm here. Could you see how exciting that would be? It's like, man, the time started. It's time for heaven right now. Just going, this is what I was here for. This is awesome. Let's go. All right. And so he's saying, that's what I'm here for, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. See, that's what God wants, okay? That word will here, for this is the, verse 40, for this is the will of my Father. Essentially, he's saying, "This this is what my Father wants. This is what God wants right here, that everyone who sees his Son believes in him and has eternal life, all right? Isn't that kind of different than oftentimes we think of God? Like, I, many times, um, man, some of the most soft-hearted people I know 
the first thought that comes into their mind about God is, is that he doesn't like me. He's sick and tired of me. He's fed up with me. Okay. And isn't it interesting here? He's going, no, actually, there is something God wants. Right now, we know that God wants this. Okay. And so we're going, man, that tells me something about this king. Because they're saying, Jesus, Jesus, again, is equating himself with God. Same. Okay. And I'm going, isn't that cool to know that what he wants and his ultimate goal was that everyone would be with him in heaven. Okay. So anyway, verse 41, listen to this. Therefore, the Jews started complaining. Sounded like good news to me a second ago. <laughs> right? I mean, isn't it great news? But we have, now here's the thing about this, that, that just allow this to kind of, you got to marinate on this a little bit, okay? Um, they start complaining because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They're offended by this. And they missed out. Man, there was really good news he was talking about here. He wasn't saying, I'm going to lord it over you. He wasn't going to say that I'm, he, he was saying, no, listen, I, I'm here to take you to heaven. And they're angry. They're arguing, complaining. They were saying, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say I've come down from heaven? And then Jesus said, stop complaining among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. That's an interesting one right there. He said, no one can come to me unless he draws you. Okay. And, and we're going, man, there's this mystique, right? There's this like, there's this force field that God just draws certain people. You know, it sounds like he's going, no, just the people who I draw are going to be do this. And so it's like this very specific force field. Like God is going, I'm going to draw Caitlin in, but I'm going to leave Hayes out. I'm going to draw Brent in and I'm going to leave Patrick out, you know, and all these kind of things. Write this down, John 12, 32, okay? Um, this is really cool. He said, we're drawn to him. You want to know where the drawing comes from? The cross of Jesus. He says, that's when I'll draw all men to me. That's awesome, okay? That means I, he's not leaving anyone out, okay? There's not some tractor beam that's pulling some people in and leaving some people out. He's going, no, John 12, 30, when I'm raised up and, I'm die, and I die on the cross, I'll draw everyone to me, okay? So, again, we're painting a really great picture of I'm not leaving people out. Everyone's going to have an opportunity. My God wants everybody in heaven. My Father wants that. I want that. Okay, so there's lots of good news here. Um, and it said, verse 45, it's written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has listened to me and learned from the Father comes to me. Everyone who has listened and learned, everyone who has listened to and learned from the Father comes to me. Isn't that great? That doesn't seem to, everyone who has listened to and learned from the Father. Right? Th think about the attributes he just discussed there. Listen to and learn from. Okay? Th that doesn't mean heard. That doesn't mean, no, but I've listened to a thousand podcasts about Jesus. It's not what he's talking about. Hey, I've listened to the Bible on CD. I've read the Bible. I've done, no, no, no. He's not talking about a message that you hear. He's saying those who have listened and learned. Okay, again, good news, right? Because we're going, you mean when I listen and learn? That's a good thing. He's saying, listen, those who have listened and learned from the Father, they come to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. I assure you, anyone who believes has eternal life. Again, there you go, eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. 
This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Okay. <laughs> the bread of the world that I'm going to give is my flesh. Okay, this sermon's taking a turn for the worse right now, right? You're going to hold up. Okay, I get bread. I like bread. All right? Many of us in here love bread. Okay, that's okay. He says this, though. He says, I am the living bread. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. At that, the Jews argued among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Great question. Jesus said, I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you don't have life in yourself. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Because my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It's not like the manna your fathers ate. They died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Even worse. You're talking about drinking blood. That's not, no, 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 no. In a synagogue, you're... Okay, so, so what do you learn? I want you to think about it. What do we learn about Jesus? He goes into a synagogue and he begins to teach a lesson that would be offensive enough just him saying, I'm God. But then he says, but you have to drink my blood. Boy, if you want to talk about a prohibition in the Old Testament, in the old law, man, it's blood. You could argue a number of things. You ain't arguing blood. Okay? No, no, no. We don't drink blood. We don't talk about blood. We don't t touch people who have bled. We don't, we don't do that. Okay? And this is really important that we don't move past this because we're learning something about how Jesus teaches. And it's really valuable that we understand how, how Jesus teaches, okay? Because if not, we're going to end up getting wrapped around the axle about things. That we're going, but I don't understand. I don't understand. And we're going, but that's his point. He wants us to discover truth. He wants us to discover this, right? And so he's saying all of these things. And here's what's fascinating. Verse 60, okay? Um, Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Okay. The meaning of this wasn't hard. To, it was the meaning of this word. This is hard to accept. This is hard to, it's, it's not like, oh man, that's weird. It's just hard. Like this is challenging my heart right here. Who can accept this? Jesus knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about this. Isn't that funny how that word keeps popping up? Jesus knew that his disciples were complaining, and Jesus asked them this. Does this offend you? Who in here, just, you can silently raise your hand, metaphorically, in, in whatever way, you know, figuratively raise your hand if you're offended easily. <laughs> we all, again, you want to talk about look to your right, look to your left, admit to one another, I'm a mess. Then you can say, yes, you are. Yes, I am. I know. Here's the truth. We all are pretty easily offended. And you may go, no, 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 Keith, but I'm not. But I bet you I could find something. <laughs> I bet you people could find something. If, you know, if Lindsay's like, I'm never offended. I bet you if we scraped far, hard enough, we'd find that thing and we'd hit the nerve tree. Right? Because there's this side of us. Uh, offense comes from feeling entitled. 
right? Offense comes from pride. Offense comes from, and, and here's the thing, we have that. We've grown up in a society of pride and entitlement, right? So, uh, so you have this, he's saying, are you offended? Then what if I were to observe, he says, what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? So, he, he, you know, who knows how many people had left? Who knows how many people missed this part? Okay. He goes, what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Okay. Here's what's cool about that. Has it happened yet in this story? Okay. It hadn't happened yet, has it? You know what's interesting is, is if you go back to Luke's gospel, um, what, we see the, what we see the disciples doing after Jesus died and then he rose again. You want to know what they tell each other? Oh, we remember he said this. Isn't that cool? Wouldn't that be neat if that happened in our lives? <laughs> Wouldn't that be pretty cool if they were like, listen, after you have your first child, you're going to be in the hospital on the third day and you're going to sit there just cherishing the smile because they're going to be wearing this beautiful. And, and you sit there going, man, you remember, honey, Jesus said this, right? It's like this. It hadn't happened. It didn't mean as much. Now it means something, right? And he's telling him, he goes, what if you saw that? What if you saw? What if you saw me rise from the dead, okay? The spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all, okay? You see what he just did? He's starting to teach now. He's gone, all that stuff, eat my flesh, drink my blood. You know that stuff, like certainly followers for eternity. You, you obviously couldn't do that, right? And he goes, but here's what I'm talking about. We've been having an argument about material things, food, right? We've been having this argument about things that you see, right? And he's going, but I'm talking about the spirit. That's who gives life. The spirit gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life, but there's some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who would not believe and the one who would betray him. That is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. From that moment, many of the disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. Therefore, Jesus said to the twelve, you don't want to go, go away too, do you? Simon Peter said, Lord, where will we go? Who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You know, what, what a great response. It, it was, was Peter just all of a sudden like unchallenged now? Like he got it, like in this short span. He's like, oh, now you get it. All of a sudden, I, he's going, no, this is, this is hard. This is tough. Jesus' word is hard. It is difficult, okay? It's simple, but it's difficult. It challenges us. It hits us in places that makes us upset sometimes, right? And here's Peter going, where would I go? <laughs> like, just because you said it and it was hard, where would I go? That, that, that right there is amazing, right? That's the side of it for us. We just go, oh, man. Wow, where, where would I go? Do you have another place you'd go? Do you have another place you'd go? Like when it gets challenging? He's going, we don't have anything because we know you're the son of God. We know you're God, okay? See how valuable it is to know who the king is. Because it gets hard and you go, no, no, no. I've got no place to go, though, except to sit here and figure this out, okay? There's no other place to go, okay? Here's the thing, though. Here's in, in, in totally simplified form here, there's, there's two things. There's two key verses there where the challenge is, okay? 
the one key verse is verse 35 and on. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Like, I am God, okay? Verse 42 and verse 52, you want to know what the people were saying? No, you're not. You're just a man. That's the battle. That's the battle for us today. All right. When there's cynicism that is set in and when there's faithlessness that's set in and when there's like there's no hope for change that's set in, you want to know what? It's because in our minds, Jesus is just a man. Like he can't change any longer. Okay. And so this is the battle we face as well. Okay. Where we can unconsciously argue this. Jesus go, no, I'm God. I'm God. I am him. I'm here. I'm, I'm the uncreated. I am the one that will bring eternal life. And it's very easy for God. No, no, I'm going to. I'm going to be just like the world, and I'm going to worry just like the world, and I'm going to be scared just like the world, and I'm going to behave in my relationships just like the world. I'm not going to trust you, okay? This is the battle the same as us, okay? But here's, the, here's, here's really the takeaway. As I was studying this out, here, here's the takeaway. Um, if we're really going to bow down, like, like unconditionally bow down, like, like Peter's talking about here, this idea of you said it, it's hard, I'm with you. Um, there's a side of this that we have to absolutely be convinced of that there's something greater. And I don't mean, I'm talking about eternal life. Like that that actually will be better than our life today. Sometimes it's easy to go, yeah, it'll be okay, but I want it to be really, really great while I'm here. No, no, no. Let me, let me read this to you. Um, Revelation, right here in Revelation 21, I think this speaks to us today, Okay. Uh, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer. All right, better than our lives today? Would you trade that in for what our life, uh, the best day on earth? The best day on earth we have still has grief and crying and death and all of those things, okay? And so there, there's a thing is they can't, they can't kind of meld together going, I want it to be really great here on earth and I'm almost just exactly as good as it'll be in heaven. Mm-mm. We, there's got to be something greater to go. There's something that, you want to know what? We're here for a short period of time. Man, I want to be in this place, even when it gets tough, okay? But here's the other side of it is that's implied, Okay. Remember what Jesus' purpose is. His purpose isn't to preach a tough sermon. His purpose isn't to drive people away. His purpose isn't to do that. His purpose is that I'm calling people to follow me, and that is beyond radical, okay? That is beyond radical. He knows he's going to be asking us to do something that is so absolutely radical. If he isn't God, if he isn't the bread of life that we feed on, then there's no way we can accept this. And you want to say we can just become kind of a group of people just a group of people that are good people that are cynical and faithless okay that's just a group that's not god that's not how god intends his people to be okay here's the thing is the world must te- here's 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 the real thing can you imagine the pressure jesus was under to go you've got a few years to get some guys going and they're going to impact the world in a way without email, internet, social media, 24-hour news cycles, airplanes, cars, radios, televisions. And that message is going to have to permeate the entire world, and it's going to have to keep going. Okay. Oftentimes we think, 
how is a group like this going to impact a city like Clemson? How is a small group like this? We, that's almost impossible. And Jesus is going, hold on a minute. You give me 12 guys? I'm not talking about a city. I'm talking about a planet. Okay. Do you see the difference right there in this? What he's calling people to is this idea of going, wow, this is, can we be making it harder than it is when we try to do it on our own? Right. And we forget about the bread of life. Right. What he's calling us to. Here's the thing is, what does the world see in us? Wouldn't it be great if, if the world, if somebody in your office or your class or your teachers or something said, hey, would you mind if I sat down with your day planner and went through every hour of your day? Can I see what you do? Okay. Not just to be nosy, but what if they went through it and they're like, oh my goodness, you are so selfless. What a servant. Like, I see that you're intentionally, like, you're about other people. I can see by looking at your, your, your planner, okay? I, I can see how you use your time. This is what Jesus is calling us to, satisfied people. They're going, no, I don't, use my time, I don't use my time to do what the world wants me to do. I use my time to do what God wants me to do. What about money? Somebody were to come and go, hey, can I see that? Hopefully as disciples, I know that would be, listen, everybody has a freedom. You know, if somebody comes up to you and you're like, hey, let me see all your, your transactions, I'm like, no, there's not like a reason to do that. But what if somebody did and they looked at every transaction would they go, wow, you want to know what? You are nothing like the world. Okay. And not because, oh, man, let's cut a huge check. to No, no. But it's this idea of are you meeting needs? Is your money about you and security and all of this? Or would people see that, man, you take care of people. Like I see that and how you use your money. You take care of people. And, man, your, your savings account is, is dreadfully small. Aren't you worried about that? No, because Jesus is the bread of life. It can be zero. It can be zero. But that's not wise financially. You don't understand. I'm not trying to live to the world's standards. Right? I'm not. Listen, when I meet Jesus, Dave Ramsey will not be standing next to him. Going, hey, man, did you have three months salary in that thing? Because if you didn't, then you. I'm going, I just want to go to heaven, man. That's it. You blew your money on helping people. Great, because that's what it was for. Okay? You, you didn't get all. Man, man, Keith, did you see how you dressed? You could have worn way better clothes, man. I guess I could have. But it would have kept me from helping people. But, man, you didn't have every Apple Watch that came along. You didn't have it. You, you had this, you know, this knockoff. You had some crazy watch that just tells time. That's embarrassing. How are you going to make a disciple with that watch? Right? But again, this is, it seems little, but we tell the world what we're wanting to be filled with. We tell them. We tell them when we're, we're like, no, 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 no. But you've got to spend tons of money on this and this and that. I've got to have all these things. And the world's going, well, yeah, you're fitting right in with us. Instead of us going, no, no, I can have zero money and Jesus is the bread of life and I'm completely fulfilled. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine if we were a homeless community sitting around joyfully? It's probably hard to imagine though. Probably we'd be like, oh man, seriously? Like, no, I buy the premium toilet paper. <laughs> like, I got to have everything. You know, I got that, man, I ain't cutting corners anywhere, you know? 
I got to have the quicker picker upper, man. I'm not getting none of that paper towels for 59 cents, you know, because you want to know what? It's like, it's like we got to have. We got to have, right? Time, money, job, material, possessions, relationships. You know what the world needs to see? Relationships that don't act like the world. You know, and there's only one way when Jesus is saying, man, I'm the bread of life. If you feed on me and understand what he said here, he said, the spirit is the one who gives life. The words I've spoken to you are spirit. And so he tells this story and we're going to go back and and wrap this up. He tells this story and he's kind of like in this shocking way. He tells this story, and even at the end, I don't know if any one of us is completely satisfied with this story. Like, completely sitting there going, wow, that that makes total sense. You know, one of the greatest sins any speaker can do is ambiguity, right? Is this idea of people walk away and they're going, I didn't even get that. And here's the interesting thing. Jesus seemed to do that fairly often. You know, he, because wouldn't it be great if Jesus is like, listen, I'm going to tell this story, but here's the three things you got to know. And that's all that matters. He's like, no, no, here's what I want you to do. If you're going to feed on me, you're going to have to go and talk about this with, with people and, and, and wrestle with this and think about this and, and keep watching me because I'm going to show you I'm the bread of life. I'm going to continually show you that. But do you feed? See the difference in the relationship of the word of God? Do you feed on it or just kind of like I go through the motions? Okay, like. You know, do you, I don't know. I guess, I guess we sometimes snack mindlessly, you know, if you're a snacker, right? You have a bowl of peanuts or something like that, and you're just kind of mindlessly maybe. But do you see the relationship difference when feeding on him? So I want you to stop just a very practical thing. Would your relationship with God's word, would, it, would somebody consider it? And you're going, but it doesn't matter what people say. Don't, don't. Yeah, don't hear that, okay? I'm not trying to have some kind of popularity. What I'm saying is, is that is there any evidence in your life to suggest that your relationship and my relationship with God and his word, somebody would qualify as feeding on it? Okay. And, and that's a good starting point. That doesn't simplify this entire story, but that's a really good starting point is do I feed on this? You know what's interesting is, is how many of you guys fasted for an extended period of time? And, and you've kind of lost your appetite a little bit. Have you ever experienced that before? Patrick's experience. I know Summer shared she experienced it. You know, you fast and you lose your appetite. And then, you know, it's interesting. You break the fast and you, and you eat and you're not that hungry, right? But you eat. And then as the day goes on, what ends up happening to your appetite? Coming back like, there it is, <laughs> right? It's like going through the roof, right? And it's that idea of you trigger it by you, you eat a meal. Okay, here's the thing is, is if you eat a meal, you dig and feed in God's word, you want to know what happens? Your appetite grows. It just does. It grows, okay? Unless you're going to go, nah, I'm not going to get off. Just go through the motions. I can't help you on that, okay? But this idea, if your intention is, I'm going to feed on this, our appetites will grow. Our appetites will grow. I mean, that's really the thing. So we want to worship the king. We do. I I know that. We want to bow down to the king, okay? But there might be an adjustment we need to make in our lives, and it won't be the only time. It may be now. It may be later in the year, next year. I mean, our lives are kind of mountains and valleys oftentimes. But it's this idea of reconnecting with the words of Jesus, not as just really neat words, 
not really neat. Like he's very poetic. Like I'm the bread of life. And he goes on and talks about this theoretical thing. No, no. It goes back to this. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty. That sounds like something for us to pray about. Right? That sounds like something for us to be begging God for. Okay, because again, he's not saying if you're just if you can just have a great effort at this, you'll get it. He's saying, no, I'm going to give this to you. Okay, and I think if we want this, I think we have to start talking to God about this. Okay, we got to be like kids when we were little at Christmas time, and you really wanted something. How many times did you tell your parents you wanted something? How many times you wanted the video game system? You want to make sure mom and dad never forgot that you wanted, you know, whatever Pat wanted Teddy Ruxpin. Okay, do y'all remember that? Come on, Teddy Ruxman, folks. Oh, my goodness. He's, look him up. Google him. He's on there. He's scary. He will scare you. Summer had one. Thank you. Um, but here's the thing is, is, I hope this is what we want. I hope this is what we want to go. God, I want to be made into the person that never hungers and never thirsts to a point when the world looks at our life and our community, they're going, they're weird, but they're weird in a really good way. They're weird, but they're weird in a really, really good way because Jesus is the bread of life.